put on there if you have uh if you have the chart that I sent Tony yesterday, uh hopefully you'll be able to pull that up and hopefully some of you have printers, perhaps you can uh make notes on it even. This morning uh, I'm gonna have a lesson that follows up on the uh the one where we talked about the stars. And the name of this one is called The History of the Maseroth, which, uh, you, which you'll see on the top of that form. Uh, before I start, I'm going to uh, open in a word of prayer, and also I'm going to ask Chico if he will do the scripture reading for us in a minute. I'm going to uh, open up the, uh, close off the mic here in a minute. But uh, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the lesson we just had, for the group we have, for the saints that are dear to you and you're dear to them. We thank you for each one. We pray that this message might be useful, that you might use it for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the first attempt... uh I call it would be the, I, I was more looking at a study that would kind of introduce what would be involved, so to speak, in the study of the stars, that is the word of God in the stars. And uh, we start, we went through chapter 19 of the book of Psalms. And this morning, I, I don't really want to, um, go into it as much as I did last time, but I do want to, uh, I do want to go ahead and use that for the scripture reading. If uh, if we have Chico ready here. Good morning, folks, and we are at Psalms chapter 19, and we'll go ahead and go through the uh, entire chapter. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, 
and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Thank you, Chico. We, um, as I say, I don't want to go as much into detail, but I wanted to give that chapter some justice this morning because it's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Bullinger did a lot of work on that chapter, or whoever whoever helped him. Somebody put a lot of hours in that chapter. But just a reminder, what that chapter proves is that the Word of God in the stars is the one and the same as the Word of God in the written Word. And in Romans 10, 17, and 18, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. It says, but I say, have they not heard? Has everyone got it, got an, uh, got a time to actually understand or hear what the gospel says? Yeah, everybody. Everybody, their line has went out in all the earth. So then faith come up. Now this is talking about the written word. Faith cometh by hearing. Now let's go to, back to Psalms 19 and verse 4. Here's that same verse, their line is gone out through all the earth in their words to the end of the world. Now this is uh, uh, the gospel in the stars was written long before uh, the written word, and we have in it, uh, if, if someone doesn't know the Lord, it's there's hope. There's hope written up there. That, uh, hope for everybody that there's, there's gonna be a coming one. What this study really comes down to is about 100 stars in the heavens that we still have preserved down from the time of Adam, the names of the stars, and all 100 stars in one way or another look to Christ, either, uh, either as an attribute or as as a personage, every single star speaks of him that we know about, the the ones we do have the names on. But uh, we see a transition here that Chico read down here in verse 7. It it looks like it's changing the subject. It says his going forth in verse 6 is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And then it looks like it changes the subject. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And uh, we went through a bunch of those notes uh, where he uh, ties all of those thoughts together. So uh, I'm going to leave that on that uh, for now. Um, 
Now, hopefully you guys have a chart in there also. There should be two charts. One of them Barney did some time back, I don't know how long ago, maybe 10 years. I'm, I'm not sure. Barney made charts before most people did on computers. But uh, in any case, what that chart is from the time of Adam to the flood uh, you can see a few things, a few attributes on that chart. One of them is the names of our grandparents. That is your your grandparents and mine. And uh, all those names there, I, I guess we could call the grand or the great patriarchs. The grand patriarchs. Usually from Abraham on down is who they call the patriarchs or the fathers. But these are our grand patriarchs. And uh, you can call them anything you want. They're yours. They belong to you. They're your your gene pool, so to speak. Or not so to speak, they are your gene pool. And also in, in that chart you see the line of Christ. Uh, he preserved the a perfect line that would come all the way down generation after generation until it gets got to him. Thirdly, we can see uh, the numberer, as Barney called him, the numberer. Let's turn to that, uh, Daniel 8.13. Daniel 8.13. Let me read verses 13 and 14. And Barney covered this, but this also fits in with the stars. The numbers, the numberer, also did his handiwork in the stars. It says, Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So this is chronology. This is part. This can be called part of uh, chronology in the Bible. But go back to verse 13. We see three different saints here. One saint is speaking to another saint, and one of those saints is speaking to that certain saint. And if you look in the note there, it's the word if I'm pronouncing it right, palmani, palmani. It's the only place in Scripture you'll see this word. But if you break it down, pal, wonderful, as in uh, uh, the wonderful counselor, and uh, he's called wonderful in several places. I, don't, I didn't write any references down, though, but... Uh, the wonderful one in the note are the wonderful numberer. And and uh, there's a couple places that talks, uh, let's say, I guess Ruth 4.1 uses that expression, uh, a certain one, that certain saint. But in any case, here we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of all creation and, and in perfect order we see we see 
uh, his handiwork. And all the way through this chart you see uh, are perfect numbers. Those aren't those aren't there by accident, but uh, but that chart, what it builds up to is Abraham. We don't see it. We only see it to the flood here. But when we get to chart number two, I want to go into some more of that. Uh, okay. On. Uh, let me say something about Abraham before we turn the page to the second chart. Now, he is the very center of Old Testament chronology. These uh, grand patriarch bloodlines build up to him. After he's born, all of the bloodlines come out of him. Uh, so, and, and he is a type of Christ. In, in one respect, uh, I'm going to turn to uh, first. Let me find my note here. First to uh, Matthew eight nineteen and twenty. Matthew eight nineteen and twenty. And it says in verse nineteen, and a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, we can say a similar thing about Abraham. In uh, Acts chapter 7, in verse 5, Acts 7 and verse 5, we see Stephen giving his uh, defense. He's giving, he's, he's actually giving his defense for his very life here. His very life is a, is a stake, as you well know, and he lost it. But it says in verse 1, then, the, then said the high priest, are these things so? All these things we're hearing about you? And he said, men... Brethren and father, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him unto this, into this land where he now drill, and he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. So here we see he has no place to lay his head either, in, in a sense. Now if you look at the verse I guess we could say Colossians, for an example, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it tells us to keep our mind on things above. Because in a sense, we're, we're in that category. I mean, we inhabit the earth, but we really don't have a place to lay our head here. We, all of, all of our, uh, inheritance and everything we have is in Him. And, uh, 
that was uh, partially uh, alluded to this morning. So a lot of, a lot of the, the verses that come out of a lot of you different speakers, they all tie together. Uh, you know, similarly how, how we have conferences sometimes and things just seem to work all together like that. But, uh, but that's for us to keep our mind on things above. Now, if you will turn to the next chart, chart number two, and on that one, if you look at the top, you see the the date 4000. And I'm not much for putting BC on dates myself. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know for sure 4 BC is accurate. The best argument for it I've ever seen is Bollinger himself. I don't have the I didn't uh, write it down, the appendices, but he gives a, the best argument I've never, ever seen on it. And it's probably true, but these are Bible times. This is 4,000 years before the birth of Christ. I don't, I would rather see those actual years than, you know, than uh, try to fit in with uh, the dates of, uh, that man has established. Now, Bullinger and Usher and those guys, they did it for a reason. And uh, I'm not getting on them for putting that on there like that. But first off, though, on the word Maseroth, turn to, turn to Job chapter 38. And let's see, 38, and we'll read verse 31 through 33. Job 38. 31 says, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst, canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? So, here we see the Pleiades. You can find that pretty easy with, uh, you can see it with your bare eyes, but it's, it's real fuzzy. It looks like a little fuzzy star. Uh, you need averted vision for that. Uh, you can find it real easy with averted vision, then you can zoom in on it. Uh, actually, if we didn't have what's called averted vision, you couldn't drive on the streets for one or two weeks without getting in a car accident. So that's another thing. Uh, the good Lord has blessed us with. But uh, here in the word uh, Maseroth, you'll see that it he refers to that, that as the 12 signs of the zodiac marking the path of the sun in the heavens. Uh, Arcturus I might uh, talk about a little bit later. Notice that is the greater sheepfold. Uh where you see the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper, we, we think of it as the Big Bear and the Little Bear. Bollinger calls that the, the Big Flock and the Little Flock. And perhaps perhaps one of those is uh, for the, the better resurrection, one of those flocks. But uh, that, that's Arcturus is one of the brightest, one of the ten brightest stars, certainly one of the 100. And then in 33, knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? For ordinance, he says, statutes. In other words, he's asking Job, 
do, can you look at the panoply of heaven and, and tell me what, uh, you know, the gospel of, you know, the coming one, can you tell, can you determine these things by looking at the stars? So, that's the Maseroth. We also have that word in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 5. Let me find it here. 2 Kings 23, 5. says, now, if you remember, I did a couple months ago a thing on Josiah, but we didn't get to read these verses here, where he went in, where he was going in and uh, cleaning up, cleaning up the town, so to speak, both in the north and the south, all of Israel. The north had already ceased to be, uh, so he was essentially the sole king. But yeah, he went through and did a, did quite a bit. And here in verse five, let's, actually let's go back to verse four where it says host of heaven. We see the phrase host of heaven in, uh, verse four. So that they were worshiping the host of heaven in verse five. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burn incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets. Now, for planets, he has the word stations. Again, the 12 signs of the zodiac. And it's a different spelling, but it's the Hebrew Maseroth. And to the planets and to all the host of heaven, so uh, here we see it again that they were worshiping uh, the host of heaven here. Uh, this is pretty late. This is getting down, if you look on the margin there, around 513 B.C. Okay, now, uh, now look, uh, again on this date, 4,000, uh, First, first, I want to say that there were prophets, Adam from Adam on down. For that, let's see. For that, let's see uh, Luke one sixty nine and seventy. Luke one sixty nine and seventy says, "And hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke." by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Since the world began. Holy prophets, so that includes Adam, Seth, and uh, basically uh, that whole seed line that you see there on chart one down to the flood was the only preserved seed line left out of all of the earth. So uh, that's that's... That's why God started afresh, we can say. Also turn to Acts chapter 3 and verse, uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 21. And 
where it says, Whom the heaven must receive until their times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So, with that, I want to read you something out of Josephus. First about Seth. This is about the son of Adam. It says, now Adam, who was the first man, now I'm going to skip down, because a lot of the stuff you see in Josephus, some of it's, uh, some of it, you know, you might question, some you might not, but I'm going to skip down. It says, he had indeed many other children, that is Adam. But Seth in particular, as for the rest, it would be tedious to name them for all of the other you know, brothers and sisters that Seth had. I will therefore only endeavor to give an account of those that proceeded from Seth. Now this Seth, when he was brought up and came to those years in which he could discern what was good, became a virtuous man. And he was himself an excellent, of an excellent character. So did he leave children behind him who in who imitated his virtues. All these proved to be of good dispositions. They also inhabited the same country without dissensions. Now, that's a funny thing to me to put in here about Adam and his seed line and Seth and his seed line. They also inhabited the same country without dissensions. Now, if you look on the right side of that chart on the history of Nazareth, we won't be able to say that about those people. That, that's, that's the evil side. We got the good and evil. And one of them's trying to preserve this hit, uh, this gospel of the stars. The other is trying to destroy it. So I'm going to keep reading. They also inhabited the same country without dissensions and in a happy condition. Sounds like uh, fellow Christians, without any misfortunes falling upon them till they died. They also were inventors of that peculiar sort of wisdom which is concerned with the heavenly bodies and their order. So here we have Josephus talking about uh, Seth being an astronomer. And there's other there's others besides uh, besides Josephus that writes about the ancient times like that. Um, so so we see that from the beginning we we see that from the beginning we had uh, you know we started with Adam. It, it's it's said that it was Seth that wrote down the data. And if you look at chart one, you can see Enoch, Adam, and Seth, all three of those, uh, lived at the same time for about 300 years. <clears throat> so there was a lot going on there. And we know Enoch was a prophet. We, he's quoted in Jude, the book of Jude, for, uh, you know, what he said there. So, but, but these these are the three most known ones. But it stayed pure all the way down to the flood, that bloodline. Uh, now let's jump over to the right side for a minute here, where you see Cain 
Let's turn to Genesis 4, verse 17. I'm going to bounce back and forth from the right side to the left side a little bit. So, so as, the, as time progresses, we can see what was going on. Now, normally we think of Nimrod as the one corrupting the Maseroth. But uh, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Everything goes back to Cain. Nothing starts at the flood. All of the evil that, uh, that started with Nimrod jumped the flood. Jumped across the flood, we can say. Um, in verse 417 of Genesis, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and go on down, and in verse, well, wait, let me, let me come back to that verse. First, let's talk about uh, Enoch. If you look in the note, it says, teaching our initiation. Now, what a nice man Enoch was. He's a teacher, and he initiates things. But any time you see anything in this whole column, in any of the notes, you always know how to uh, interpret it. Where it says, teaching or initiation put in lies. Teaching and initiation of lies. He took, they took everything that Seth, all those people knew about the stars and the coming one, and they put then they deified themselves in the stars. Cain is there, and different people are there. Uh, my main point here is, uh, is from the very beginning, the truth was the Lord tried to do that. Uh, uh, Satan tried to do that to the truth for all along, and the Lord preserved it all along. Um, let's see, on... Let me get my glasses here. We'll see. Um, yeah, then as we get down to um, okay, Seth, one more came. All right, let's let me go ahead uh, to um, you notice there. I, I say giants right under Enoch. You see giants. You also see it down below. The flood. Giants, men of renown. Six, one to four. The only reason I put that there, well, first you can see that, uh, these guys had a lot to deal with. These guys who wanted to live in peace on the left side had a lot to deal with. But also some of these men of renown actually made it to the, the hall of fame, so to speak, in the heavenly, in the heavenlies. What is, uh, you know, uh, who is it? Hercules and, uh, Apollo and whoever the, those mythologies are based around. Uh, we see that. Okay, then, um, now look back to the left side. You see, at the flood, it's around 2350. It's rounded off a little, but not much. These are a little bit rounded off, not much. You can see this in, in, uh, any chronology just about. 
where in 500-year spans we have Abraham, then the law, then the kings, you know, then the temple. Pretty much in 500-year spans, rough. It's a little rough. But I'm being vague because uh, the study, you know, and how the study of the stars evolved, it, that's a little bit vague too. So uh, we see all those dates and uh, an idea of how, the, you know, when the gospel of the stars, and it never died. We still have it. We still have those hundred stars, and we have, and maybe more, and we have a, a lot of good work that's been done on it. We have enough, let's put it that way. That's how much the Lord wanted to leave us. <clears throat> he wanted to leave us just enough to let us know that that he was always there for us. And obviously the written word came along. But in uh, verse, let's see, some chronology. Uh, okay, then we come down to Abraham again. Uh, we, you know, as I said, he's the center. He's the very center. All these bloodlines came down to him, and God made an unconditional promise. With There's only two unconditional promises. One was Abraham. One was David. It's not like if you do this and you do that, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. No, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and uh, and so on and so forth. After that, all of his bloodlines is all that, all that came to the forefront. So, actually, there's three main religions in the world today: Christianity, Judaism, and I guess they call it Islam. All three are Abraham. Uh, you know, look up to him, I should say, and and, and uh, look up to him and as as you know the father. So in, uh, now I'm going to skip back across. See, now look all the way down, all the way from the flood down to, to, uh, Egypt, to Abraham. There's about 350 years. Now, if the same bloodline, if the same seed lines were born about the same rate, Nimrod would have only been born about a hundred years after the flood. That is, that is that at the same rate as the line of Seth that we see in, uh, in Genesis chapter 10. That, uh, Nimrod would have actually been born, you know, right at, about a hundred years after the flood, we'll say. So, uh, with that, let's turn to Genesis chapter 10. Because these things, how did they jump the flood? Well, Ham, there's some there's some uh, tales about Ham's wife. We can't substantiate that, but uh, but my what I'm saying is, soon as soon as they started back afresh, they took probably what they already knew about Cain and the different deifications they made there, and then they just inserted Nimrod, Semiramis, the mother. Samarimus is uh, Draco, where, where you see the the big flock and the little flock and the big dipper and the dipper and the little dipper. Draco takes up quite a bit of real estate, 
and it it goes way around and pretty much surrounds the little dipper or the little flock and and her statement is i will i will surround the world i will surround the world and you know control it so you know that's 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 what uh what came out of ancient babylon but in uh genesis 10:10 it says uh, why do I say 10, 10? No, I meant to say 10, 6. Yeah, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Now, of course, the Babylonians get the credit for Babel, and uh, this is a this is uh, a good thing for the you know for the left side of the chart. Here we have all of this con, you know confusion, chaos that uh, you know all of these people were coming up with their own versions of the truth, and the Lord confounded their their language. And on the note, he talks about. Uh, and verse four may reach under that note says, and it, and it's top with the heavens, that is, with the zodiac depicted on it as in ancient temples in Dendrah and Esna in Egypt. So they, they were in effect, in effect, this is how they have, um, got control over the masses. They deified, where it says Nimrod was a mighty hunter. How much of that was, how much of that was just because he was put in the stars and deified? And, and the people were told, this is what you're, you have to believe. A lot of governments today tell their people, this, you know, you know that as well as I do. We're pretty much told what to believe in a lot of cases. But if you, if you go on down to, um, 11, chapter 11, verse 2, says, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, or to the, toward the east, rather, as they journeyed eastward, that is, to Babylonia, they, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Now, Way back in 1010, up at the top of the page, it says, well, I've got to go back. In the beginning of his kingdom, that is Nimrod, verse 1010, the beginning of his kingdom, Babel, Eric, Akkad, Kalna, in the land of Shinar. So Babylon, Babylon is uh, almost due east almost due east of, of Israel. And, and in, the, in Jeremiah and different places it says, and they will come down from the north. 
Nebuchadnezzar will come down from the north because that's the only way to get in. There's a passageway from the north, but not from the east because of mountains and so forth. So that that's why it, it, even though even though Babylon is east of Israel, you have to come down. You have to go up. Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia is between the two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. That's Mesopotamia, mainly up higher north, though. But um, but you uh, let's see. Let's see, yeah, Mes- Mesopotamia is there. And then as you come down, uh, you, know, you kind of go up at a 45-degree angle from Babylon, and then you come back down, so to speak, as you come up the River Tigris. But, but yeah, it's a long route. It's a long road, but they made it in about a week in, in cases. I'm not sure how. Uh, camels maybe. Camels can cover about 25 miles a day. But, okay, here we go. All the way down to Abraham, there's a line across there. Now, after Abraham uh, came the second dynasty, and King Hammurabi was the first king of the second dynasty. And I put the note there, Appendix 15. And that, that talks about all of the things, the cases where Abraham... And people around him used the law because you, you see down on the date 1500, the law wasn't given at this time. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those people didn't have anything, and and they pretty much followed the convention of the day, and that was Hammurabi. Uh, in cer- certain areas, that stayed around for a thousand years. The the rule of Hammurabi. You can download it. There's 200 and some uh, things. They're pretty terse comments. If uh, if our government wrote 250 some uh, laws, it would take uh, I don't know what 20 foot of shelves to 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 write it. This is in about four or five pages, but. Um, yeah, you you can print it if you're if you're interested in it. Now, one, the first one he mentions in uh, in Appendix 15 is Eliezer, Abraham's, uh, who was his servant. You know, in effect, became Abraham's heir. Now, that's one particular law that agreed, and, and a lot of them agreed with the you know the law of Sinai. So. So that this is what was going on at the time from about the year 2000 to 1500. Uh, Abraham, all of this wisdom of the stars had come down all the way to Abraham. Somehow it remained pure all of that time. And I want to read you something else here out of Josephus about Abraham. About... Okay, and this one's going to take about two minutes to read all this. It says, he was a person of great sagacity, both for understanding all things and persuading his hearers, and not mistaken in his opinions, for which reason he began to have higher notions of virtue than others had, and he determined to renew and to change the opinion of all men 
to change the opinion all men happened then to have concerning God. For he was the first that ventured to publish this notion that there was but one God, the creator of the universe. That as to other gods, if they contributed anything to the happiness of men, that each of them afforded it only according to his appointment and not by their own power. This, his opinion, was derived from the regular phenomena that were visible both at land and sea, as well as those that happened to be, that happened to the sun and moon and all the heavenly bodies. Thus, if, said he, these bodies had power of their own, they would certainly take care of their own regular motions. But since they do not preserve such regularity, they make it plain that in so far as they cooperate to our advantage, they do it not of their own abilities, but as they are subservient to him that commands them, to whom alone we ought justly to offer our honor and thanksgiving. So here we see Abraham, and remember in the first 50 years of his life, or whatever it is, he was in Ur of the Chaldees, and that's right there in Babylonia. In Ur, there was a lot of archaeology done there. And uh, even at back up close to the flood, and it was more of a, a higher uh, higher end clientele for real estate. Uh, Abraham probably lived in a two story house. He, he, he probably they probably that family was a uh, they probably already were a family of means uh, when he was in Ur of the Chaldee, but it was a city state. As almost all things were in those, all, there, there were really no, you know, places didn't come together and like you're all under the United States like that. But they were still subservient to the Babylonian law. And Hammurabi, of course, uh, at that time, uh, would be the, the source. Uh, we already read Job 38, as we come down to that verse, you see Job 38, 31, 33. That was talking about the Maseroth. The reason I put Job's name there is because he came around that time, around 1600. So um, now let's go down under the law. Now the law is here. Let's go down to number 10. <laughs> number 10, that's in my notes. The rim fan. Let's go to Acts chapter seven. Uh, let me find it here. Acts seven and this is one example. There's quite a few. I didn't. I don't have time for all of them, but you get the idea of what uh, you know how the stars got subverted here. But in Acts seven. Verse 40 says, Make us gods to go before us, saying unto Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, Egypt, we walk, we do not know what's come of him. And they made a calf in those days and sacrificed. Um, down, let's go on down to verse 43. Yea, ye took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god, Remphan, figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So Remphan 
is Saturn. And uh, I'm not sure why, it, you know, it's the second brightest planet. Well, I'm not counting Venus. But Jupiter, of course, is number one, and it's revered, of course. But um, Saturn, we see that both when they were in Egypt, and and it followed all the way through the uh, Old Testament times, that this type of worship never went away. So that was, uh, that's down, uh, we'll say, just after the law and then on down and before the law, Saturn worship. Uh, let's go down to Jeremiah, way down to the year 600, chapter 7, 17 and 18. And seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. That's Semiramis, the mother. Some say the mother wife slash wife of um Nimrod, and what it looks like, if you've read any accounts of it, is that there was actually um, someone who died and, and probably killed, but they already knew the gospel in the stars, and, and they even set it up for someone to die, and that would be the son Marduk. Marduk is, is the one who interprets all the laws, in, in Hammurabi's law, he, there's mention of Marduk, and, and he will be the ultimate decider. Of course, he had been gone for a while, but but uh, they also wept for Marduk. Uh, I'm not sure if I brought that verse down or not, but but in any case, all of this Nimrod worship carried on, carried down, and in, and of course is even here today. When uh, Hislop wrote the two Babylons, he fully thought that all of these things that happened in ancient Babylon pertain to the church in Rome, the Catholic church. And any time you read Babylon, mother, all of that in Revelation, mother, the you know, Babylon the great, he's talking about the Catholic church. That's what Hislop believed. I personally don't believe that. I believe partly that, but I believe it's not only Rome. I believe it's all of the religions of the world that followed after Nimrod to worship. There are many, many, over uh, over a hundred religions that have the mother-child, and that came from the original version of the stars, the mother-child, Coma. Coma is the constellation and uh, it's a mo- one of the most beautiful constellations you'll ever see if you pull it up uh, but um, yeah that that's where the mother child is shown uh, I'll try to get into that a little bit more but okay we see the queen of heaven same thing down here in uh, Jeremiah 44. Jeremiah 44, 
says, and this is after the temple destroyed, and they all asked Jeremiah, what should we do? Whatever you tell us, we'll do it. Just tell us. We'll do whatever you tell us. Verse 16 of 44. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goes out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then... Had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship? Did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? The men let us do it. They they went along with it. So this is after they after the temple and they're going down to Egypt. And uh, so here we still see uh, Jeremiah prophesying. Now at the end of this line, you see Matthew 17 and 18. Uh, let's see, 17. 18. It's taking me a second here. Matthew 17, 18. Hold on a second. Okay. And Jesus... Mm, wait a minute. Write the verse down. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Matthew, see, I got my colon in the wrong position there. It's Matthew 5, semicolon. Okay, Matthew 5. And it says. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So here we see, uh, you know, by this time, you know, I'm not sure, you know, just how much truth had been preserved. But uh, you can see that the the Lord always knows how much is out there. You know, he his hand was on it the whole time, obviously. Then let's go over to the Romans 125. And that's on the right column. Romans 125. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Of course, the the creation, you know, he spoke into existence, the stars, 
you know, and, and you know, reformed them and put them in their perfect orbits and all all that. So, um, so you know, it, it basically uh, from the beginning, from Cain all the way down. On the on the right side there, um, you see others. By others, there's I don't know a lot. Egypt, Persia, uh, the Arabians did quite a bit, actually. They preserved a, quite a bit of the names that uh, came down to us. Okay, next list. Uh, now, I could have continued this chart a little lower because we know a little bit more even in the, even in the New Testament. But uh, in Acts, and I didn't write the verse, but remember, in Acts, it talks about Diana, God of Ephesus, the God of the Ephesians. Her temple was the seventh wonder of the world, the temple to Diana. And that, that comes out of the heavens and somewhere either directly or indirectly is associated with uh, the queen mother and Samarimus. Also in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, and hold on, says, Acts chapter 14, verse 12 and 13, says, and they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before the city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. <laughs> so, um, let's see, yeah, there's more of those. But, uh, uh, then later, after the after Jerusalem was destroyed, there's what's called the Talmud, and uh, in it it identifies twelve constellations that are associated with the twelve months of the Hebrew calendar, which is uh, something. If we go back, uh, we looked at some of the notes. We actually did cover some of that in the first lesson, where it talked about the calendar and so forth. But, uh, okay, so that kind of covers this page, chart number two. Uh, just more of an, a vague idea of, you know, the history of the stars. But what I wanted to do last time and didn't get to do it was just, uh, let's see what time, 11.05. I want to turn to uh, Appendix Chapter 12. And I just want to go over maybe a couple of the stars, but go to Appendix 12, and I just want to briefly just uh, make a few comments on it. Now, if you look all the way down on page 15 of the appendices, over to the right-hand column on the bottom, it, you see first book, second book, third book. 
And th- this is the condensed version of the whole story. The f- there's three books. Each book has four houses. Each each of the 12 signs of the zodiac is called a house. So there's 12 houses, and each house has three deacons. So there's uh, 48 constellations total. So, so 12, each, each of the 12 have three each, so that's, you know, 48. Now today, there are 88 constellations that the IAU, uh, recognizes, and they keep track of. And they're, every four years they have to redo the star maps because of the drift, but you know, the, the polar, the North Pole. The North Pole, in about 25,000 years makes a circle in the sky. If you had a pencil straight for it, it makes a huge circle in the sky. Right now we're up close to a half a degree off of Polaris or the North Star. But that's going to, someday there will be a different North Star, put it that way. But, um, okay. So what this shows, in, in this first book, The Redeemer, each book takes four months of the year. The second book, The Redeemed. The third book, The Redeemer. So this is the condensed version. Okay, then right under it, he, he breaks it out a little bit more. Now you see each, each house and each of their deacons. You see Virgo, Coma, the woman and the child desired of all nations. Uh, Centaurus with two natures, the despised sin offering. Buotes, the coming one with branch. Now, if you've seen the map in the back of the book where it unfolds and it looks like a big circle and then a bunch of, bunch of uh, hieroglyphics on it, the circle, now imagine you're looking down at a ball, say uh, any kind of ball. Basketball, maybe. Draw a circle around it to make it equal. Now look down at very top, look straight down at the basketball where you can see just the, you can barely see the equator or you're looking straight down. Well now I can't see the bottom half of the basketball. That's the southern, the southern sky. I can see the northern sky because I'm looking straight down on it. So in the south, I'm going to have to tear it all up. I'm going to have to rip it apart and make some cuts in it and fold it out, 12 cuts. I want to fold that whole thing out because these three deacons, Coma and Buotes, are, are north of the, eclip, uh, the eclectic, of that, of that line of the sun that the, the 12 signs follow. But let's see. Centaurus, let's see. No, I got that wrong. Centaurus is south of it. Coma is north of it. Wotes is north of it. So you, some of them have a couple of them south of it. So, so you have to see the whole house in the, and they're all related. Uh, you know, Virgo, Coma, Centaurus, and Bote, they all relate to each other. So that, so we see that. Now, now let's go on down to, to the second column in page 16, and now he blows it out even bigger. 
And I'm going to read that paragraph. It says, it will be noted that the modern names are used, but only for the purposes of readier identification. Some of these names were given in ignorance by those who had lost the primitive significance of the 12 signs and of the 36 constellations. The Hebrew and Arabic the Hebrew and Arabic names of these and of the principal stars contained in them are full of truth and eloquent in their teaching. Thus, Virgo the Virgin, the Virgin, here we have the star Al-Zimach, the branch. And we, we see that, that there shall be a branch come out of Jesse. Uh, again, everything has to do with the Lord, the branch. And, and, and that's, uh, Virgo is holding that in her left hand. The, the Virgin is holding that in her left hand. So, so that star, there's one of the hundreds, Zemach. Koma, the desired, Sheshnu, that's the, from the Egyptian, the desired. See, on each one of these constellations, like, uh, instead of Virgo, you, you could name it like, instead of coma, you could name the constellation the desired. You don't have to call it coma. Uh, you know, you, we can come up with spiritual names for all these con- uh, constellations. But down here we see Centaurus Albeze, the despised, Isaiah 53.3. So there's another star, Albeze. And, but the real meaning is the despised. And we see that in, uh, um, Isaiah chapter 53. Wotes, uh, Arcturus, we saw that in Job, Arcturus. It's a huge star. It's so much bigger than our sun. Uh, you know, it's not even worth comparing. A lot of the stars, uh, are what's called, um, Variable stars. And some of them, even in 10 days, they get real bright and then they get real dim. And it, and it's almost like they're inhaling and exhaling. The star itself is getting bigger and smaller, and they have different explanations for it. But uh, every single star is unique in its own way. And in, uh, what is it, Second Corinthians talks about there's different, uh, stars, glory, there's different glories of the different stars. Some are brighter than others. Some have different attributes. It's almost like a fingerprint. Each one is unique. And the Lord knows them by name. He knows them by number. So, uh, so here we see on the second blowout, we see these three stars. One, two, three. We already have four stars of the hundred named. So that's if we, you know, we can expand it there. Now, if you want to expand it more, of course, now you go to the books of Bollinger and Seiss and read their commentary on it. And I've read them both cover to cover, but it's been uh, quite a few years. It's a lot of this I have to bring back, but uh, I find it real intriguing and uh, uh, especially a lot of the things that are associated with, you know, that they, he brings a lot of good articles. Uh, one one reason I think that Bollinger wrote his book after Seiss 
is size in some of some of his interpretations he'll even quote out of Colossians. Well, of course that's that wasn't revealed yet. Books in Colossians, you know, verses in Colossians and Ephesians. So Sice didn't know the mystery. He was from Philadelphia. But when uh but in the introduction to Bullinger's uh Witness of the Stars, he says it's time he, he mentioned Sice's book and, and Mrs. Rawlings, the one who did years and years of research trying to uncover the names of all of these stars. Uh, but uh, he said it's time we do one on this side of the ocean. So that was his nice way, I think, of saying, uh, you know, we appreciate all the work, but, you know, he wanted to bring it more to to this dispensation. But in any case, they're both... Oscar's the one that used to promote uh, size. He's the one that, you know, he would bring him up. And uh, he sold that book in his bookstore. So uh, from the beginning, I've, I've had that book for, I don't know, over 40 years, those books. Now, let's see, 11, 15, yeah. Uh, you know, that's the only thing I wanted to do was to treat this in a way that um, we could kind of see the overall view of it. Why study it? Uh, more or less just to, to be able to show that, you know, what kind of God we have. Um, as far as studying it into in any great detail, I don't know. We've got a lot of things, other things to study. You know, just where do you put your time? The, you, you could spend a year going through these names and, you know, uh, I'm not sure, you know. It's like one of the gentlemen said, the Holy Spirit seems to be guiding us in all of these, uh, all of these studies. And I, I like to say, uh, you know, a lot of you guys talk about it's not about me and I know it's not about me and, uh, this is, uh, you know, we're all growing together, you know, in truth together, and, and I'm happy to be a small part of anything of the, of, if, we, if I can say that, that, yeah, we're growing together, and if I've got a little bit to add here and there, I'm with you. And uh, I like Forrest when he said that he compared us to an orchestra. One time I did a thing on a piano string. If you take two piano strings, tune them both to the same exact wavelength, uh, they will put off, instead of two units of energy, they'll put off two and a half units of energy. And it's called sympathetic vibrations. The, each string helps the other string along to vibrate. And it's uh, you can use that in a marriage. If, if you're if you're in harmony in your marriage, you're gonna the two of you together are gonna do more than one you know individually you could have ever accomplished. Now, if you take it in an orchestra, let's say that we're the string section, and all of these strings, the finer they are in in tune, the more you know the more they fulfill the verse. In Ephesians 3, in fact, I'm going to read that verse. Ephesians 3, verse is, it's 10, I believe. Ephesians 3, 10. 
hold on a second here. And I'm going to close here with this. Ephesians. Obviously, I didn't put a sticky on it. Okay. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So Oscar made a comment, something to the effect that this really is our, our true calling. All of the other things in Ephesians and all these things come bring us up to the point where that we are a testimony to this uh you know, you know, maybe it looks like what is it? There are uh, seven people on here right now. We don't know how many are on here as far as uh, the, this eternal purpose is concerned. In verse says in verse eleven, we don't know how we don't know what's going on in the heavenly realms with with uh, these uh, principalities and powers, but in some way the Lord is using us to show his wisdom to them. And uh, with that, I'll go ahead. Well, I, I do want to say thank you to uh, thank you to Chico for the scripture reading. Thank you, Barney, for the use of your copyrighted material. And just kidding. And thank you, Tony, as usual, for all of the work you do for posting uh, these charts and uh, as usual, uh, being faithful. So with that, let's close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day, for these saints. Lord, use us together. Help us to grow together in your grace. And teach us your word that we might get to know you better and know your mind. You sing, we pray in your good name. Amen.